Hey everyone, it's Stefano from the GCMC and you're listening to the GCMC podcast. And for today's episode, we're going to be talking about building skills outside the classroom, including emotional intelligence and communication. So with me here today, I have Kevin Yui, a current MBA student. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Stefano. How's it going? Not too bad. And just so um, everyone knows, we're actually recording this Monday night before Thanksgiving. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty good time of the year. Um, so happy Thanksgiving. I'm hoping to get this episode out um, right before the holiday so that you'll have something to listen to if you're traveling or if you just have some downtime that weekend. Although I hope no one has anything due the Monday after Thanksgiving. That would be kind of messed up. I hope not either. I, uh, I don't. Okay. So I'm good. Yeah. Phew. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Um, so like I said, we're going to be talking about building skills outside the classroom. And the reason why I reached out to you, Kevin, is because we're connected on LinkedIn. Right. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day I was just scrolling through and then I saw that um, you had posted you finishing different LinkedIn courses. And right. the two topics that really stood out to me again were emotional intelligence and communication. And I mm-hmm. kind of thought like those are really cool topics because they're not usually things that you would be exposed to uh, in the classroom. And those are things that I think employers and alumni are always talking about how they're important to have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not always embedded into the curriculum. And a lot of these things are kind of things that you learn on the job or uh, on your own, kind of like you have. And so that's why I wanted to reach out to you and kind of pick your brain on uh, why you're looking to build skills outside of the classroom and how you've been able to do that with LinkedIn courses, of course. And then um, tell us a little bit that a little bit about that experience and then maybe diving into those two topics um, if time permits. Uh, but before we dive in, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, and that can include your academic and professional background, um, and that can include your current academic program and job. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Stefano. And thank you for having me today. Yeah. really appreciate this opportunity. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So my name is Kevin Yui. Currently, I'm a second-year MBA student. I'm going to graduate next spring. Mm-hmm. Woohoo. Oh my God, time there. flies. I know, yeah. Can't wait. 2020. <laughs> 2020. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, I recently got hired as an HR assistant at a branding company called Landor. Mm-hmm. We're a global branding company. We have offices in New York, um, all over the States, Asia, Europe, you name it. We've done the Levi Strauss logo, the FedEx logo, the BP logo. We work with tons of different companies in tons of different verticals on their branding strategy, design, and everything in between branding, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about my journey to Baruch. So in my undergrad, I went to NYU and I majored in music technology, mm-hmm. which is a totally different world than the one that I'm in today. Than HR, yeah. yeah. Which is funny, I was having a look... Um, uh, your profile, and then I did. I was reminded that you did have a music background, so it was kind of funny to have you come in to record a podcast. Right, um, seeing this microphone brings back a lot of good memories. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. Like this is going to be like a throwback. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did that. Um, I graduated in 2013. Mm-hmm. Then I worked at a recording studio for a few years. At that time, I wasn't too satisfied with my work, and I did enjoy music and recording. But I realized it wasn't what I wanted to do as a career. Mm. So that was when I started considering other options. During that time, I had jobs in sales. I traveled for a bit. I also taught English in Japan. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of different experiences that I think brought a lot of diversity to my life and my values and my thinking. Mm-hmm. 
during that time, uh, this was around 2017, uh, I was actually in Taiwan studying Chinese because I wanted to get back in touch with my roots. I'm an American-born Chinese, for those of you that don't know me. And while I was there, I was applying to business schools because I was interested in changing my career. Mm -hmm. I applied to Baruch, and only Baruch, actually. Oh. And thankfully, I got in. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> don't know what would happen. No if, plan B. Yeah, no plan B. Just <laughs> went gung-ho straight for it. And thankfully, got it. So after I came back to the States... I prepared for business school, then I started in September. When I went into this program, the MBA program, I was thinking about doing something in either HR or finance. I was interested in finance, and also I'd known from my past jobs that I was pretty good with people and I had good interpersonal skills, and that was something I was interested in developing as a skill. Uh, I took some classes in finance and realized that I wasn't very good at finance, even <laughs> though I liked it. So I s just fell back on the ladder, which was HR. Yeah. I spent a while looking for jobs pretty much from day one of the program, mm -hmm. just applying on LinkedIn and through GCMC's career link, probably like four to five different postings a day. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. it was a grind, definitely. Yeah, and especially your first semester, right? Right. So yeah. it started straight from my first semester. Wow. The advisors in general ad tell the MBA students to focus on their academics the first year and not worry about getting a job. Yeah, especially For, the first year MBA students because right. that's like a, a full-time course load. Right, It's yeah. pretty immersive. And yeah. for the first semester especially, it can be challenging. It's a lot, yeah. yeah. It's very course-heavy. And for me, I was different because unlike in finance and accounting where the hiring cycle is very cyclical, mm -hmm. HR is, there's really no cycle. Yeah. And with HR, the most important thing, arguably more than the academics, is your experience. So you really just need that work experience to get the ground off running to like push your career forward. Mm -hmm. So for me, the priority was just to get an entry-level HR position. So I was just very persistently applying for an entire year. Mm -hmm. I went through a few different internships and temp jobs. I started at... Um, this was in the summer of 2018, or sorry, 2019. I started at a small startup company called Room Turn. Oh, right. Right, yeah. yeah, I told you about that. They provide cleaning services yeah. for, like, residential and commercial buildings. I was working as a recruiter there, so that's where I got my feet wet and all of it. Mm -hmm. After that, I did about a month or two as a temp HR coordinator at a charter school in East Harlem. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting because I'd never worked at a charter school, so I learned a little bit about that industry. Yeah. And then during that time, I got my official offer at my current, uh, my current job, mm -hmm. where I've been there for about four months now, mm -hmm. and I really love it. Yeah. Every day is different. I'm learning a lot of new things. Um, I have great coworkers. We get free snacks and cool volunteer opportunities yeah. and day trips with the company. So it's a it's been really great and I'm definitely thankful for where I've ended up. Cool. And yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that. And it's yeah, I mean I, I remember meeting you. I'm pretty sure it was your first semester because in, with the full-time MBAers you have a pretty um uh comprehensive orientation experience and so everybody at the UCMC is kind of involved. Um and so I do, I do remember meeting you and like um also uh, working with you because you're also I think you forgot to mention uh, president of GBAP. Right. There's that too. <laughs> There's that too. So on top of all, so on top of you just like starting a full time MBA program, job searching, securing all these awesome 
positions and now this full-time role you're also um the club president which is really great um and so i I think if anything that kind of shows like your path and it it just kind of shows that you've always you know been looking uh for that next best thing and i think um pursuing uh learning outside of the classroom i think uh can play a major role in that Mm. and um one thing i also did want to point out is that uh, i'm really excited to chat with you because you are in a non-accounting non-finance position Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. because the last few uh students or alumni that we've interviewed have been pretty accounting and finance heavy Mm mm-hmm and I know that sometimes our non-accounting finance students feel like there's nothing like, you know, there's no programming or like events that are really there for me, which, you know, unfortunately, but also fortunately, Baruch is a pretty accounting and finance heavy school. Um, so I'm really excited for you to share some of your experiences and insights in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say that if you're not an accounting or finance student, that doesn't necessarily mean that any of the other episodes can apply to you because a lot of the things that we're talking about, be it networking or job searching, Um, best practices, bits of advice, like it's all pretty universal across industry Mm -hmm. and across functional area. So do keep that in mind. Um, But um, we kind of alluded to this, but maybe tell me a little bit about why learning outside, you know, the classroom, especially because it sounds like you've had a pretty intense academic program in the full-time MBA program. And you've also had a lot on your plate between student club, leadership, and your temp gigs and now to the full-time gig that you're at now. Right. So it definitely has been a very busy year and a half so far. Mm -hmm. But I did go into this program wanting that. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to challenge myself. And I felt like one way I could do that was with time management. So the reason why I've been doing all these things with the full-time MBA program, my full-time job, and my role as president of of, um, Zicklin GBAP Mm -hmm. is precisely because I wanted to learn how to fit all these things into one schedule and be able to juggle all these different tasks, all these different responsibilities at the same time. And when I was doing all this very actively, which I still am, I did find that there were times where I struggled a lot and where I just felt overwhelmed sometimes. And I feel like a lot of students at Baruch can feel that way as well with the, you know, the course load that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely a big hurdle that I really worked hard to overcome, I think. I'll still say that I'm not perfect at it, but I've definitely gotten better at, I wouldn't call it multitasking, but just handling multiple priorities Mm -hmm. at the same time. And responsibilities, because they're all, you know, spread out across different facets of your life. Right, definitely. Especially with the club, since we do host a lot of professional events, Mm -hmm. and my role as a president involves a lot of communication between the firms with their recruiters and also their representatives and then connecting them with our club members. So that in itself has, in a sense, become a full-time job this semester. Mm -hmm. It has been manageable since I do work remotely, and I'm mostly just calling or texting people. So I find time when I'm at work in between lunch or when I'm on the train ride home. I think that was the big takeaway for me is that I know a lot of people will think because... I have so many things on my plate. I don't have time to do all these things. Honestly, I feel like everyone does have time. It really just depends on what you want to do and what you want to get out of, you know, all of the activities that you're doing, Uh, which is to say, like, I could say I don't have enough time to, you know, plan this event uh, for my club, but it's more of just a matter of how do I find time? Mm -hmm. And I think 
for me, the most important aspect of that was just changing my mindset and not thinking of it in a negative way where I can't do it. Like it's not possible because I don't have enough time. It's more of just how can I rearrange my schedule to make this work, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's also applied, or I should say that's helped me a lot in not just the club, but also you know my you know my studies and also my full time work because it's really given me a different perspective on the things that I have to get done and how I can manage to do all those things. Yeah, I think you make a really good point in um, having a different mindset or outlook because you're right, it's like super easy to just get overwhelmed and not to saying that you don't get overwhelmed or that it's not okay for anyone to get overwhelmed. I think that's normal and pretty natural, mm. especially when you do have so much going on and everybody listening, you're in grad school, like it's gonna be hard and you, you are managing multiple responsibilities. Um, whether you're in a club or not, you know, people have uh, work internships, usually family responsibilities, and, you know, also are trying to do well in class. And so I think having that uh, different mindset, that positive outlook is definitely what helps in getting it done. Otherwise, I think you can just get stuck in a case of overthinking and doing more of overthinking than actually getting things done and, you know, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely overthinking is something that I've had to learn not to do, mm-hmm. especially on the job when there are a lot of split-second decisions. I wouldn't say split-second, but things that have to get done sooner than later. And even if you don't have all the context or you don't feel like you have all the skills to get it done, you just have to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Then the other side of that is the, I guess, like the concept of failure, you can say. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in that moment of what do I do, I think the other thought that many people have is what if I fail? What if I don't do this right? You know, someone's going to yell at me, like I'm going to get in trouble. And those are certainly valid concerns in many cases. But at the end of the day, and this was advice from, you know, my former boss um, at the company, she pretty much just told me, just just do it. You got to do it. And if you fail, then you learn something and just move on from it. Uh, Because... I think doing something and failing is still better than not doing anything. Because if you don't do anything in the first place, then you automatically fail. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I guess the takeaway is you just got to try and you have to just be in the mindset where, like, one, thinking about how I can do all these things that I want to do in my life. And two, just pushing forward and not worrying about the consequences all the time. And just knowing that at the end of the day, you'll be fine. And if anything, you'll learn something from the mistakes that you make. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, for those of you that are in the Career Central Facebook group, um, Tunich and I had a Facebook Live, I want to say last week. And it was around like staying motivated and focused, especially if OCR didn't really work out for you. And those are definitely two major takeaways in that too, is that take your quote-unquote failures as the moments of growth and learning opportunities because then you can take those with you along the way and then just like you said um, having a look at the big picture too like uh, everyone is in this transitional period right now where they're in school or either looking to get into an industry or making a career change and you know in the grand scheme of things like this is going to be a you know a really pivotal moment but also a very you know, small moments in your whole life and your whole career? I think for me, when 
I was thinking about how to take on all of these things, aside from the time management part, it was also the communication aspect. Not just communicating efficiently, but also managing people's emotions, making sure that you know what I'm saying is clear and said in a way that is not going to be misinterpreted by other people, which can also lead to you know just comp- communication breakdowns. And part of that, or I guess because of that, that was how I got interested in taking those LinkedIn learning courses. Mm-hmm. So to give everyone some context, my employer provides uh, link, like free LinkedIn learning. So I get a subscription through them. But I feel like LinkedIn learning is a really good investment for any student, especially anyone that wants to build their soft skills, because they actually have a lot of really great video series on those mm-hmm. that are taught by you know professionals in like say communication or learning and development so the the two courses that i really liked on linkedin learning that helped me a lot in my day-to-day were um the one was called communication foundations Mm. and the other one was called i think uh, the basics of emotional intelligence something like that Mm -hmm. and the reason i took those courses was because I really wanted to just improve as a communicator and as someone who was also the, also emotionally perceptive. Uh, specifically, that's in part an HR thing because yeah, right, a, a big aspect of our job is communication and also you know managing people's expectations. So with that has to come, you know, how do I deliver this message, message clearly? Who am I delivering this message to? What's the channel that I'm using? So these are all things that I have to think about every day. Um, one nugget of advice I can give for anyone that is going to start an internship or a full-time role soon is to get really good at responding to emails. Mm-hmm. I think email communication is so huge. Mm-hmm. Um because half the time that's what you're going to be doing at work aside from you know the primary functions of your accounting or finance whatever it may be Um, just learning how to type a good email and learning how to communicate on that specific channel will really help you grow a lot in your first year um, on your new job or internship yeah and for me personally it definitely has and um, actually that communications course on LinkedIn helped me a lot because they do have specific sections on email communication. Oh, really? Cool. Right. Yeah, there's studies and everything on yeah. on how to, like, you know, communicate properly on email. Mm-hmm. You're going to be using email pretty much every day at your job internship. Right. Probably for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. <laughs> until a new technology. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Until a new technology right. comes around, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also as a current student, I think this is like the time is now. Like if you don't feel 100% about your email communication skills, like the time is now to like really develop them. Um, and yeah, I, w- I would love to hear any any major takeaways. But that reminds me, I also took a, a business communication course, but I actually took it, it was part of my curriculum uh, during undergrad only because I was a communication major. So um, it was an elective and I figured, I'm like, I feel like I'm going to need this in the future. So I'm going to take this and... Um, I did I did find some pretty uh, valuable uh, lessons within that, but the first being when you do write an email, I think the first thing is like having a really strong uh, subject line and like a relevant subject line, not just like a random like date 
or you know like just like the name of, uh, of an event but like something that will like actually grab the reader's attention so that's important and um the second being just getting straight to the point um i've gotten a, a lot of emails from students where they'll be like hey stefano like you know how's it going totally fine but then they'll kind of like not get to the point mm -hmm. right away it's it's a lot of um words and like backstory and you know really the call to action is like they need something from me but like would you just lead with the ask first you know i'm writing to ask about uh your help in reserving a space and then you can you know give me the backstory about like why you know you need the space for when this and the other uh, but i think getting to the point as soon as possible is important because i think everybody gets a lot of emails every day and so you're trying to figure out like, well, do I need to act on this now? Can this wait? Um, but if you don't really get to the point initially, that's you know that that could be a challenge and a little frustrating. So. Right, definitely. And I have had those experiences firsthand just in my first four months at my job, where we were you were talking about subject lines. Yeah. I mean, wow! I there are some times <laughs> where I spend five minutes trying to figure out the right subject line uh. because it really is important, especially when you're CCing a bunch of people that you've never met that are from some, you know, whatever finance department remote on like the West Coast. Mm -hmm. So that's when it's really important to double down on your conciseness and really make sure that your message is clear and it's appropriate, you know, it's in the, the proper formality um, and also that you're, you know, CCing and BCCing people in the, in the, the right way. Um, I think one good piece of advice that I received from my boss when writing emails is to not rush yeah. because probably a lot of us may feel like our inbox is just full of all these people that we have to respond to and some of them may be very urgent matters but in the end it's still more important to make sure that your message is clear and that you can get the most efficient response from the person because if you don't then that could just drag on the entire email chain and that could also lead to communication breakdown which is arguably scarier when you're doing it virtually because you can't really tell how the person's feeling sometimes right and then that's when it gets to trying to read in between the lines of potentially like passive aggressive you know <laughs> responses and then you'd be coming to me and asking for like you know conflict resolution right. at that point <laughs> i hope we took that course too yeah which yeah which i hope you don't have to come to me for that <laughs> yeah that would be like worst case scenario yeah mm -hmm. um but yeah that's that's just a really good point in communication because i feel like it's something that we take for granted and that it's it's pretty much like a representation of like who you are like you're showing off your written communication skills and actually i was doing some um, a light reading earlier today, but in the career center world, we have a national association and it's called NACE. It's the National Association for Colleges and Employers. And they do uh, annual surveys on like, what are the top skills that our employers are looking for? And like everybody in the career center world knows that it's like, it's always going to be communication like across the board. But this one specifically said communication, written communication. Uh, which I think is, you know, pretty different and also really important because, you know, a lot of the times we'll have students that have really great technical skills. Uh, but then when it comes to actually like summarizing what they're doing or like writing a report for like a higher up and, you know, really being able to like 
synthesize and summarize information mm. um, or even just communicating within uh, different teams or with a client sometimes it can be challenging so seeing that today reminded me like this is this will always be timely because communication is always the number one thing that people are looking for right definitely and I think along with communication is also the the face-to-face part of it Mm. which is i guess we can talk about the emotional intelligence aspect yeah um so that was the other course that i really found helpful on linkedin and actually that course there were a lot of nuggets that i was able to apply the next day actually after i watched it which is another really great thing about the linkedin courses that they give you a lot of practical applications that you can use in the workplace or at school so one of the sections on the emotional intelligence part was talking about um, people's perceptions and how when you're communicating with people, there's always this filter that your words go through when someone hears something that you say, the way they're interpreting it is not necessarily how you think that they're going to interpret it. Um, so I can think of a time at work, for example, when I was just putting up small talk with one of my coworkers, mm-hmm. and then he was talking about his weekend plans and how he was going to take his kid to the zoo. And at that time, I was also thinking about a question that he had asked me. It was like an HR-related question. And so I thought, oh, maybe it'd be a nice time to circle back to that, maybe address that. And then, But when I did, I found that the conversation kind of took like a sour turn because I then realized that he didn't want to talk about work or anything serious. Right. He really just wanted to wind down and relax and just, you know, talk about nothing, just chit-chat. And so I really reflected on that afterward and realized that, you know, even though something that I was trying to say that I thought was helpful was being interpreted by him as a nuisance. And so the next time I talked to him, we ended up in the same situation where he was again talking about his weekend plans. <laughs> this is like literally this is like the, next... at the water cooler. <laughs> Yeah, it was like literally ne- the next week. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, now with that with that experience I had before, I knew that this was not the time to bring up anything work-related. Keeping it cash. Right, keeping it cash. Yeah. So I kept it cash. Um, and then, yeah, he was like talking about, again, plans he had with his family. And I just kind of went along with it. And I said, oh, that sounds really nice, you know. And those those cases, like you don't really have to say much either. You know, yeah. you just empathize with them because you know, in that case, if they're just talking about something fun they're going to do, they want you to just share their joy with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you can do that and just say, "Oh, that sounds really great." You know, maybe ask where they're going, um, and just you know, acknowledge that that sounds like a really good time. Yeah, and also acknowledge that that's not necessarily the right time to bring up a more serious matter or something work-related. Right. Mm-hmm. No, And also, like, keeping the environment in mind, right? Like, if it's, like, let's say, I don't know, if it was, like, an open space where, like, there's, like, other people, you know, around, then, yeah, maybe it wasn't necessarily the best time to have that. Yes. I do have a recent anecdote about that. Mm. Um, so this was something I observed. There was a group of people that were just chatting because the company was going to have a happy hour Mm -hmm. and they were about to leave. And then all of a sudden this other associate walks by because they were all on the team and they were working on a project earlier in the day. And she suddenly just asked them like, Hey, what do you think of this report that we were working on? Mm. And it was just dead silent for 10 seconds. Like, um, I don't because we're going to happy hour (laughs) right right now. (laughs) Like everyone was in like, yeah, like beer mode. 
and uh. she was still in work mode and you could just you could just like feel the discord yeah that she just did not read the air at all and it just made things really awkward yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i think how did that turn out <laughs> Well, I think... Without giving names or where this was. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I think, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, these are just moments in time that people will forget about the next day. Totally. Um, That being said, like, if, you know, you consistently are, you know, doing things like this where you're not, you know, speaking or talking about the appropriate thing at the right time, then you may build a reputation as that person who, in this case, is maybe just seen as too serious. Yeah. And then people will perceive you that way. And then that's even more difficult to overcome because then you're just known as that guy or that girl. Yeah. So that's what I personally think, not just for HR, but for anyone, especially when you're new to a company and you're also in an entry-level position, it's really important that you nail your communication skills and you also develop a very good EQ, not just understanding the perceptions that others may have, but also understanding how you perceive things because, of course, it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, something that I've uh, have always appreciated, too, is getting to know, I guess, the people in the specific environment that you're in because everybody has different uh, expectations mm-hmm. or uh, work styles, personalities. And so trying to get, get to those... Uh, as soon as possible but like in a in a good way not like being really intense and like asking them so many questions that they're overwhelmed but like just kind of going through that process because um pseudo related to the whole email thing like i know that when i was in grad school like i had a really good lesson in figuring out like what is something good to communicate about via email or what is something good to communicate about in person Mm. Or what is something to communicate about through both? Where, like, you first go to the person and then, you know, gauge, you know, their thoughts on X, Y, and Z, but then still have to send a formal uh, email because you probably have to, like, in that case, I had to CC somebody else and, you know, two other people. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So the, um, getting a feel for those different uh, layers or preferences, if you will. Yeah, I would definitely agree that the channel of your communication, whether it be email, in person, or a phone call, um, it's really important to consider the context or the goal of your communication and also the, you know, the urgency of it and also the person's preference. There are a lot of different factors when you're considering you know, whether to dial that number or type that email. I think one good way to learn that is going back to your previous point about observing the environment, which was another uh, section of that emotional intelligence course where they talked about not just um, understanding individual perceptions, but also group perceptions. And with Mm. that comes company culture, for example. Yeah. So I think a really good thing to do when you first come on board, you know, in a new role at a new company is to just observe, just just watch how people interact. Just be very alert of how conversations happen around you, who talks to who, who seems to be the boss of everything, and who seems to be, you know, maybe standing in the corner. I think it's really important to just get a feel for your environment and the culture, um, just kind of like the norms of the people that you're working with. So that way you can prepare yourself to communicate with them. Mm. 
because eventually you're going to have to go around all the departments and work with them in some to some extent and to do that effectively you have to know what people expect whether it be i prefer an email or i'd rather call i'd rather you call me or just even understanding that approaching this person at 2:30 p.m. is not a good time because <laughs> he or she adamantly takes lunch exactly at that time every single day. Right. And these are very little nuances. These are minor details that you can only pick up if you're being very observant. And also going back to your point about how maybe some students have this urge to just be proactive and ask all these questions and everything, certainly that's really great and it's good to show that you're inquisitive and trying to learn, but it's also important to show that you understand your place in the company. And you also understand how people function in there and that at the end of the day you're you're aware of when is the right time to speak out and when's the right time to maybe step back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like step back and maybe like take note and save you know a question or a comment or a suggestion for later right it could be maybe a question that you want to ask but asking them directly in person is not the right thing at that moment maybe yeah. they're busy or something So you might consider writing an email and then giving them time to think about the answer too. That's another really big thing mm. is that um I know a lot of times this cuz in HR especially people come to me with a lot of questions and sometimes they're very difficult questions that I think they expect me to just answer on the spot when in reality it's not that and I really need to do some digging. And there have been a few times where people approached me and I did not feel it was the right it was appropriate because it was a very difficult question that i would have preferred an email yeah. so i could sit on it for a bit and then give a more thorough response so yeah it's just i think it's just insane of how many layers of i guess you know perception that you can think about in your communication and so i guess that's why i'm really adamant that's why i'm i'm i really advocate for building very strong soft skills mm-hmm. um especially at an entry level when we're also learning our hard skills. Yeah. Those things will come in time and you'll learn a lot of that on the job and some of it in school. But I think the one thing that you can really only learn effectively like through experience is the communication aspect. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point about um being approached or asked a question like that like the not at an uh, not so ideal time because you probably do need more time to like research or look something up or like sit on it for a second or check in with someone else before mm-hmm. you you know give an answer. Yeah. Um I feel like that that happens all the time and I think that it goes back to figuring out like which is the uh the best channel, you know, to go about in asking or communicating something. Um and sometimes like you do have to like ask if it's like you're starting with I think your direct supervisor is is a good start and asking them like oh like how do you prefer you know that I ask you you know these types of questions you know is it email can I just pop by your office or go to your desk should I wait until like our you know daily check-in or you know weekly uh supervision meeting like what you know what works best for you um because from my experience sometimes your supervisor won't even think about that um but it will help in how the two of you or your whole team works together um uh, because there's usually not a manual on you know uh, helping lead 
a team when people become supervisors. And if there is, it usually doesn't get like so detailed into like, make sure you let your supervisee know like how to communicate. I mean, unless it's a really good training manual, but sometimes asking those questions is, is really important and in uh, finding that out is really important too so that you do work well together. Um, because funny enough, so when I started here um, at Baruch, so my direct team, like they, like they prefer like phone calls. So then, you know, they'd say something like, oh, like, why don't I just give, you know, them a ring or like, you know, they would call me, you know, with things. And I was like, okay, like, this is cool. Like, this is pretty like efficient. Like I got them on the phone and have a question or like I have an update for them and then we'll just sort it away. Um, but then as I started working my way throughout different departments on campus, I could like sense that like these people didn't want to be called. <laughs> Or, or or they you know they say something like oh you know like I'm just like really busy right now but yeah like what's up like you know and and so then I, I started getting the sense of like oh like you this is probably better for me to just email you and like some people like started saying like oh yeah like you know just like feel free to email me that or like oh yeah like I saw you left me a voicemail like I don't really check those like why don't you just send me an email instead and so then I started you know realizing that uh, there are different, you know, preferred channels mm -hmm. and methods of communication. And mm -hmm. sometimes it'll be easy to get that answer from your direct supervisor or from your direct team. But if you get into working across different teams, it, 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 sometimes it's just trial and error and a lot of on the job learning. Mm -hmm. And um, pseudo related to your example on um, small talk and talking about weekends, but then also like bringing something else up. I think it's also like finding that uh, I, I call it like a dance a little bit because sometimes I'll have an email out or someone will email me with a question and I myself need to sit on it but then I bump into them you know down the hall or like in the break room and so like I personally don't like not acknowledging it because I have seen it and so I'll just be like oh hey Kevin like how's your day going like oh yeah I saw your note about you know this that, and the other like I'll, I'll get back to you but uh how's you know how's your day going how's your weekend and so like again like mini like acknowledging it but like letting them know that the answer or response is coming i think always makes me feel better because yeah, i personally like that too and i definitely appreciate when you do that yeah um because i don't want the other person to think like oh like they haven't read my email or like you know they're ignoring it it's just like yeah like i just need like a little bit more time uh, but i also acknowledge that like we're in a different setting you know like be it at an event or you know just bumping into each other you know somewhere i think that's that helpful and, and then like finding that dance if you will and navigating that because uh, back to your point and saying like it's like pretty complex there are so many different channels like we are humans and we are complex and we all have so much going on so trying to find that balance i think is important right i agree with a lot of that um just understanding yeah again who your audience is and how you're going to communicate to them most effectively and yeah at the end of the day like you know even if there are best communication practices sometimes they don't work because humans are humans yeah so just going back to stefano's point about understanding the environment and just learning about the culture and the people in whether it be at school or at work that is so important and I think at the end of the day that's arguably one of the most critical factors in making your first six months for example at a company a success mm -hmm. um, because once you understand how things work then the communication will be much easier because you'll have you'll have contacts basically yeah and I think you know, under, really understanding that is 
very important. Yeah. Um, any other, uh, I guess, takeaways from, you know, the courses? And, oh, and just so everybody knows, like Kevin mentioned, um, he does have access to these courses through his employer. And I haven't really looked into, like, how much they cost. This is not uh, advertised content. We're not endorsing uh, uh, necessarily or, or, or promoting LinkedIn courses. But it's just one of the many ways in which uh, you can get and develop uh, skills outside of the classroom. Um, but I, I did see some, some really good ones, but again, by no means, uh, it's just like the only outlet or platform that I would recommend. I'm sure there's plenty others out there. Um, but any other, uh, I guess, takeaways or bits of advice before we wrap up? Yeah. For anyone that wants to take these courses, but doesn't want to pay for the subscription, you can also just find very similar channels on YouTube. Yeah. There's lots of playlists that are very very similar in content i would say the linkedin ones have the advantage of being more structured mm -hmm. and they also give you course files that you can use and i do think the way that they're organized and the the content that they give you is very practical and can be really can be applied immediately and i don't know if you can find that same quality on youtube right. that being said um youtube does have a lot of great material and you can even just reverse search all the titles on like the LinkedIn channels and YouTube and see what you find. Yeah. And then maybe try to build your own course. Um, but I would just me personally, um, even if I didn't have this subscription through my company, I would still subscribe to it Yeah. because it really has been very beneficial. And I've gotten a lot of practical application out of these videos which I think are really great supplements to the courses that we take at school since we schools, you know, most schools in general don't offer these types of courses. And honestly, you know, communication and EQ and just these interpersonal skills in general are, you can teach them, but at the end of the day, you just got to learn them by experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think for us, once you're in the workplace, then you're just going to be learning that off, you know, um, day by day. Mm -hmm. But it certainly is nice to have um, taken a structured course where those those topics can be broken down methodically and can also be contextualized in a very practical way. And so that's why I think the, the LinkedIn courses are really valuable. And so I would recommend, you know, I think they're like 20 bucks a month, mm -hmm. which I don't think that's that bad. Yeah. You know, for the value that you get, I think that's a pretty good bargain. Yeah. So definitely recommended. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But still not sponsored right. or advertised content. Disclaimer, I don't work for LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> neither do I. Uh, or uh, neither of us are getting paid mm. for, the, <laughs> for endorsing or, or recommending a course like that or any other course. Mm. Um, but yeah, like you, you also just made a really good point in that a lot of it will be like, on the job and you know figuring it out along the way but it is so helpful to have that foundation so that way you at least you know have that foundation to go off of and then you know adjust and tweak you know along the way or you know take a few lessons and apply you know for sure in that job or within that environment or culture that you're in but maybe save others for you know your next internship or your next uh, full-time position mm. um, so Kevin thanks so much for you know coming out um, a very, well, I just, it, it can get a little depressing now that, you know, the sun sets so early. So like, yeah, it's know. what, it's like 
it's about to be seven o'clock, but mm. it feels like it's eleven. So thanks so much for coming out. <laughs> of course, thank you, Stefano. This was really great. Yeah, I really again, I think it's just really important for students to just you know think about the different ways in which they can enhance enhance themselves uh, for work, but also just kind of in life too, because I think emotional intelligence and communication applies to. Uh, your own interpersonal relationships outside of your nine to five or outside of your your um, career of choice, uh, but definitely you know because this is a career channel, applying those uh, there first is super helpful. Um, so again, thanks so much for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Um, best of luck with the last couple of weeks uh, you. <laughs> for the semester and everybody else that's listening too. I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. Um, enjoy some time off, disconnect and connect in person if possible with friends, family and all that. And then we'll see you soon. Thanks again, Kevin. Thanks, Stefano. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the GCMC podcast. We'll see you soon.